Welcome to the Johnny Cassell Show. This is your number one resource for dating and lifestyle advice. I'm really looking forward to this one, guys. So, as you guys know, I've been promoting all week uh, this fantastic broadcast, which is going to be with my dear friend, Hassan Moshedi. Um, we've known each other for years. Every time he's, he's in London, we hang out, we have a great time. And I think what, what, what I'm going to enjoy about this is knowing that after all of the achievements that you may have already seen after going and discovering who this guy is and what, what him and his family business have achieved, he's the most humble and down-to-earth dude you, know, you could possibly meet. And um, that'll really come out on this broadcast. And it's going to be a really great broadcast. And I tell you why, because I, now in this pandemic, I feel that still there's uncertainty. You know, there's going to be a lot of losses in this pandemic. You know, a lot of people's jobs are at risk. People's financial security is at risk. Um, we're relying on different asset classes if we have them to keep us afloat and keep the income coming in, right? Now, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because it matters. Yes, this, that's right. This is a dating channel, right? I help and I encourage people to build up their confidence in their dating lives and their social lives. But look, if you can get the girl, how are you going to keep the girl? How are you going to start creating generational wealth for yourself and for the generations thereafter? Okay? So what you're going to start to see on this channel is more broadcasts like this where I can help you guys be, you know, more mindful of these sort of things moving forward through the next stages of your life. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hi, Johnny. Now, buddy, look, thanks for coming on and doing this. Um, as we discussed over the phone prior to putting this together, um, you and I both agreed that this would be a great opportunity to sort of, you know, help people feel a bit more positive about the situation that's kind of going on right now and perhaps sort of help people with a different perspective to be a, a bit more entrepreneurial um, coming out of this. So yeah. before we get into that, I just want to obviously introduce you um, for those that are not so familiar. Um, so like, this is the bio I put together for you, right? You're the owner and CEO of Imar Al-Mashedi, right? You're an Oxford graduate and Harvard alumni. You've got 17 mega projects, including Skyline, which has won the world record for being the world's largest building. Yeah. Right? You've been seen on the front of Forbes and Esquire magazine. Forbes Middle East awarded you the best residential developer in the Middle East. But most importantly, as I was saying before you jumped on, Hassan, you're just a real stand-up, down-to-earth dude. I mean, how does, like, think... all of these, how does all of these achievements just not go to one's head? No, it shouldn't. It should never go to one's head because I, I really think with every like accomplishment that you do, it humbles you more because it's it's not just a solo effort. This lots of people get into it. Uh, there is hard work. There's luck. Uh, there's being there at the right time. There's passion. There's many things. You know, you can just use big words, but at the end of the day, it's about what kind of manifestation you want in your head. And what you want to accomplish and like the steps that you start doing in order to get to that goal. Um, you know, I never like I, I went to Oxford and, and, and Harvard 
funny thing is in high school, I was probably ranked number 99 out of 100 students. I was into fighting. Yeah. I used to be a professional fighter. And then, um, yeah. and then because number 100 was uh, expelled for drug dealing. So I took 99 by default. Now, <laughs> and cuts up, I get a phone call. So if it cuts up, uh, I'll try and, um, okay. I'll try and um, I just put hang up on, on the phone calls. I just put mine on airplane mode to kind of get rid oh. of that. that All works. right. Okay. Let me try and do that. Um, so I, I think it's just about what goals you set for yourself and where do you see yourself? What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? I had the luxury to to travel um, out of circumstances. My parents were divorced when I was 13. And then at 16, I either could have stayed in Egypt or traveled. So I decided to travel and take risks and start businesses, failed in some, uh, got a few accomplishments done. And, then, you know, it's ups and downs and just always just knowing, let's, having let's, an idea. Let's, let's explore that then. So take, take me back, right, like right back from the start of the family business. You know, as I said, you've, you, you're born into circumstance, really. Your, your father started a very successful business yeah. um, with obviously in mind. I mean, that's, I think that's something that you and I share similarly. We've both come from family businesses. So we've kind of, yeah. we kind of both understand that kind of mindset the father has to kind of hand over the business at some point in their life. It's quite daunting. Um, but how did you, how did you, how did this, let's, let's, let's start there. How did, how did the family business start? Because I think what an important question is, um, is when, if one is interested in getting into property, how do you start? So how did your father start the business? Well, uh, my father actually graduated as a chemist. He had nothing to do with real estate development. And then he went, yeah, he worked for a petroleum company. Um, he used to make around, uh, I think it was $400 at the time per month. That was his uh, salary. And then he decided that he didn't want to be an employee. And, uh, he just went and he went to the government at the time were selling, uh, apartments that were, uh, that were subsidized basically. And he went and bought two apartments and he redid them and sold them and made profit. And then that's how he got his foot into real estate. You know, it was uh, it was by luck. I think he just didn't want to be employed and um, he wanted to take the risk. Yeah. Um, and then in, in my case, um, I started to go. So when I saw that with my father, uh, how he didn't have to, he didn't work in his profession and he was able to grow the business. And that actually triggered me. Well, if he was able to do that, then what am I passionate about? And, yes. uh, and, and, and I started fighting that, that I wanted to become a professional fighter. So, so I used gave to you train. Belief, gave you belief that you could do something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like that, that was like my first inspiration. You should always look for mentors, even if it's not a father figure. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, to have a father figure of that, of that sort, but I've always also liked to see other people who can influence me. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, so yeah. always try and find that, like, don't just take, to one person you can always like find inspiration anywhere you look for but at the end of the day it's you you have to basically inspire uh your belief in yourself that i will hopefully if i do the right steps with all the ups and downs that can happen in your life that you will still have the end goal there you know yeah. so that was it so i would have never imagined that i was going to go to oxford or harvard or even be accepted you know so what are the steps that i took in order for me to do that you know, yeah. and that that was 
like that was um, a step for me to be- convert myself from having a mindset of fighting and no academic achievements into either getting into like these kind of universities. Um, so how did you do that? Well, first I had to be good in business. Okay, so I got lots of experience. I started uh, my first company uh, probably 17 or 18 when I was in London. It was more of an entertainment thing. See, I wasn't the smartest kid at school. I didn't know that. Yeah, I wasn't the smartest kid at school, but I was like somewhat one of the cool kids. So I was able to uh, know all the nice places in London and whatever. And basically, uh, all the students that came from abroad in London wanted to go out and party and whatever. So I started like a partnership with one of the, uh, I'm not going to say like promoter companies, but like sort of an entertainment company that you have all the restaurants and all the uh, yeah. all the clubs and anywhere nice that you want to go. So I had a cool crowd and that's how uh, basically I started. And then I, I had some money and then my cousins called me up and they're also kind of like entrepreneurs and they're like, um, do you want to do a business in L.A.? It's like, what kind of business? I was, and then they were like, furniture business. And I was like, okay. So I left London and moved to LA and yeah. started to start my business in LA. I was a salesperson. I was a designer. I was an architect. I had to learn all this stuff uh, by just by myself. I had how, nothing how about... Sorry to interject, but how important do you think learning the skill of being a, of sales is in entrepreneurship? I think it's one of the main... Um, it's one of the main factors. Sales in any sort of, in any profession. How are you able, even if you're some sort of a public speaker, you know, you still need to sell your message. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's you're a language, scientist, right? Yeah. It's a it's, if you're a scientist, you still need to sell your idea. So it's it's about how can you become a better communicator with people and how can you get your idea across quick and fast and straight to the point with, with your own sort of... Um, uh, you uh, technique to it. So it's mine. I'm not copying someone. You know what I mean? You can be inspired yeah. by someone, but you you you, you, you do it in a way. Yeah, you do it in a way where it resembles you basically. Uh, and you have to be honest. Honesty is key. Of course, you know, sometimes salespeople they can kind of yeah. bend the rules just to make the sale done. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to how honest you are, how straightforward you are, and how you how again, it could right? yeah, how could it be a win-win situation for both parties. Um, okay. Take us back to the, uh, the, the furniture thing. That, that, you, know, you, you did the furniture yeah, so thing. Like, what happened with that? We did, yeah, we did the furniture thing. That was in 2006. Uh, we started, me and my cousins, in uh, doing furniture. We got a franchise. It was doing very well. Right. All of us were being salespeople. I was so on already, the sales. So it was an already established business. So you, you we started, we started, yeah, we that. started, yeah, yeah, it was established. We took a franchise, but then that the franchise was in Europe and we had to open up in LA. Right. So we started off in Santa Monica. I think we did well. We were selling a lot on the first, but all of us were on the sales. I was selling just like the salespeople were, and it was more competitive. Like I was competing with the salespeople, although I wasn't supposed to, but, um, but I think, um, I think it's good just so you can have that driving experience to know how to talk to people and close the deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something I think anyone, some people are born salespeople, like they know how to talk and communicate. I wasn't like that. Um, learn, yeah. Actually, yeah, I wasn't like that. So I had to learn uh, quick of what should I say, movement, um, sort of 
how can I close the deal? How can I not annoy them, give them their time? So there was lots of trial and error in this. But by the time I, it caught on and I was able to sell and learn all the ins and outs of a business. Um, yeah. And then we were doing very well. And then the crisis happened in 2008 in LA. And pretty much my family were like, we have a few projects in Egypt. Why don't you come take a look? And, um, so and what, did I it, was... Did it, did that, the furniture business was ruined through the crisis? No, it, it kept going, but I did right. not find my passion in it. Okay, got you. Yeah. I was good in it and I was making money, but I, I did not find my passion into furniture, to be honest. I like design and architecture, but oh, my, my thoughts were always like, this is a good, but it's not for me. So my cousin still run it. It's still operating in, in, in Los Angeles. It's just, it, it wasn't for me. It was, I, I So let, was, me, let me ask um, you this. Like you, you knew the family business was there. And yeah. Was there anything that kind of stopped you from going into it straight away? Did you just want to kind of, kind of like prove to yourself that you could do something on your own? Um, I think it, I just it was, wanted. It was there for a fallback, like if, if, if needed. No, I. No, I, I I feel like if I wanted to do something, I wanted to do it my own way. So even when I started working in the family business, it was my company first. I started my company. It was uh, I started to manage different uh, real estate projects. Uh, so I, I, I always wanted, even if I was going to go back to the family business, how would I be able to change and grow the family business? You know yes. what I mean? We were a, a medium-sized company when I went in. It was it had a good name. My father had a very good reputation, but it was like a learning curve as well. So we started with one or two projects, and then how can you take that? Uh, how can you scale your land bank and and start um, changing the way your company, uh, your branding, your sales, your marketing, uh, your development? So what is your stamp? What am I going to do to change the family business? And that's what I wanted to experience on my own first, living abroad, of course, living in London and LA and going yeah. to see different markets. It opened my mind to so many yeah, different international ideas. Experience. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that, that was like kind of my mindset that even if I one day went back to the family business, I was going to go and do it in, in sort of my own way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'd say, you know, if I've, I've known you for some years now and I said, you're, you're really in tune with marketing. Yeah. Right. I, I think, think marketing, I think marketing and sales and your reputation are many of the three main anchors to grow in a business. Uh, mm. Like I, I really believe in marketing and advertising. Um, usually advertising and marketing are two different things, but your marketing, your core is uh, what is your message and what are you trying to accomplish and how are you going to be different from all the other companies? So why would people come by from you? And what is like, what do you stand for? And, yeah. and, um, and this, what I was always trying to, to do in, in, in our company, um, what do we stand for and how do I get the message across and how can we be inspiring to, to young people who want to buy for us? And because we, I said real estate basically. So I wanted, but the passion came is like real estate is a home. So that's probably the most, um, valuable thing in someone's life is their home. So, um, so how can you create that dream for someone to come by, especially because our target audience is not the rich. Our yeah. target to middle income, middle income houses, uh, middle income families and upper middle income families. And even sometimes to, um, I'll say community housing too. But how could I add 
that inspirational look and feel and and luxury lifestyle into this type of uh, demographic. Project. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen so, I've seen that when you said when you showed me your you were before and you said that you were marketing towards sort of middle income. I was looking yeah. at these properties. It's like these look quite yeah. luxury, you know. Yeah. So the and design, so the teamwork, you've, the team you've got, they're fantastic. Yeah, and I think that also helped me because, like I said, you gain experiences from like. You gain experience from that. So I gained the experience of design and aesthetics from my experience in furniture and interior design. So, mm. Yeah. So that kind of gave me that kind of gave me a perspective on on uh, on what's design what, and aesthetics. Not. So if I were to yeah. yeah. So if I were to come, how could I make something look very expensive but not yet cost me so much? Yes. So you had to uh, you have you have to be smart about that. So now we're, now we're getting into talking about the importance of having the right people around you, the team. That was something I wanted to kind of talk to you about. You know, it's often said that, you know, no one really gets there on their own, right? And I often get caught when I'm talking about, when people ask me about the things I'm involved in, I, I always catch myself saying, we, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. And people are often confused because they don't see a we. But in my mind, it's always a we, you know, you always got to have a team. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, what are things to look out for, do you think, when kind of building a team? I think when you, well, one is experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have a team of experience. And one, if they lack an experience, then they will make up for it in hard work and passion. Okay, yeah. these are two. Um, so if they don't, if you're a startup company and you can't hire someone with experience, at least, but at least uh, hire someone with passion and perseverance and that wants to put the work in. I think that's very important. Uh, someone uh, that also is in line with the same vision that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also, because uh, some people, um, you can hire them, but they have a different vision. They just, you don't see eye to eye to them. So always not saying you you get someone that is right with you uh, the whole time, but at least someone who has a, share the same vision as you, has the same sort of um, passion as you do. Yeah. That could be and, I've had, uh, I've someone had that before, where you're, you just yeah. clash and it's just like it's, it just becomes a bit too much tension. Exactly, and if the and if clash does happen because that happens a lot, then are, are, is that person willing to sit down and learn, and both of you can learn from each other and uh, move forward? There are lots of people that have negative sort of negative energy to them, and if someone if that if that person is bringing it to the office, then you get away from that right away. So. Um, that's interesting because one thing I'll say, and I, as I started off this broadcast, is you know, I don't feel your ego gets in the way of who you are. And what we're talking about now, I feel, is like ego in the workplace. So that's something yeah. that you look look out for too, right? If 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 someone's in the office or someone on the team has too much ego, I mean, it's just going to get in the way of things. Look, ego is good sometimes if you're good at something. You know, you name your price and basically. So ego is not always a bad thing, especially right. if you're a sales. I, I always see that if you're a salesperson, if you're a director, if you're in charge. So putting having a bit of an ego in a healthy way, in a competitive yeah. way, where always want to become first. I look, I look for that in depending on your passion. I, I mean, like depending on which type of uh, uh, job career you're, yeah, job career mm-hmm. you want to achieve. So if you're a salesperson. Yes, you want to become number one. If you are number one, you want to maintain number one. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. If if uh, if you're a contractor, you want to build faster. You want to make more money, and therefore, 
your ego becomes that, which is a good thing. Ego uh, is being is not being cocky. Having an ego to know that you're best and you should always strive for that. You should always strive for like, okay, how could I be better? How could I enhance my skills? How like this is healthy. Yes, it's, strive, strive but, to be competent. Exactly, but don't be cocky. You know, <laughs> like yes, these are two different things. Yeah. Uh, so, but you don't. You should never get it in the way, especially, and you should never downplay or downroll someone else. So if if someone is in a in, is is starting up, or if you're a director and you're talking to someone who is underneath you, you should never talk down. Like that's. It's so. I'm so glad you said that. When I worked for my family business and I took a sales role there as well, um, you know, I'd go in and it'd be I'd, I'd go into workshops. And then I'd, you know, people like banging out like uh, stainless steel and, you know, heavy iron work and this. And they, they were, you know, they were, they were working class guys, you know, yeah. they were dirty. I mean, it was like coal mining, you yeah. know? but you'd have to have the chat with them. You'd have to have the rapport with them. But in the end, you had to go upstairs and get the order from the guys in the suits. Yeah. And, and a, a friend of mine shared this outlook to me as well, which, which really resonated with me. He goes, you've got to look after everyone up the ladder because if you don't look after everyone up the ladder, that one person could be blocking the deal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So another, another, another question uh, I, I got on here, which I feel would be an interesting what, what do you think is the biggest sacrifice to stay disciplined and focused? I think, look, I don't like to use the word sacrifice. Um, because when you sacrifice something, that means you're not working smart. You know, I believe in yeah. working hard and working smart. Yeah. So you are going to have sacrifices. So you're not going to drink every day. You're not going to party every day. You're not going to travel every day. You're not. So there are many things. But you should always have this vice that if you work hard and you put the time in, then you should go celebrate or congratulate or do something. Yeah, you can get you can tend to get caught up in a crowd that are out celebrating for nothing. You know, sometimes yeah. you have to ask yourself, what are we actually celebrating? What are we, what, why, why has the weekend started on a Wednesday? Yeah. You know, and that'll resonate with a lot of people. Um, so I like what you said. It's, you know, just be disciplined enough to, you know, celebrate when it matters, you know, yeah. work so hard and smart and then reward yourself. Yeah, like life should not just always be about, you should be enjoying what you do. You know what I mean? So it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, yeah, you should sacrifice the bad vices, okay? But not the good, like spending time with family, with your brothers or sisters, with your friends, all that should be part of it. Not every, like, not every day where it distracts you from work, but where sometimes you need the distraction just so you can get back to work with the same energy and flow and Did positivity. Because you you, everyone needs that break. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It depends on the field you're in. So in my field, um, in my field, yeah, I'm able to take weekends off and then come back. And uh, although sometimes I do work on the weekends, but usually when I work on the weekends, I try and work on things that I like about my job. So I like I like to think about the marketing aspect of things, the design aspect of things. Um, what's the next project that we're going to work on? So fun things that about about my job. I yeah. only sleep three, four hours a day, so I have lots of time to reflect on on some of the things that what I want to basically achieve in life. And I think you should always have that conversation with yourself 
every now and then, not every day, because then you'll be distracted on your short-term goals, but you should have that conversation. And what does that look like for you? How do you set up short-term and then long-term goals? Basically, I start seeing, okay, what do I don't I like about the business? Like, so I have a big list, okay? Or what do I want to do? I have a big list. And then I find, okay, what's the easiest things I can just check mark now? So what are the easiest things that I can just work on and just get them out of the way? Okay. Yeah. So whether it's I want to work on the designs, I want to work on the websites, I want to work on brochures, I want to work on delivery times, I want to work on uh, the way our sales offices look. So I just do this list. Okay. And then I sit down with my team and then we checklist. Okay. How long is that going to take? How long is that going to take? How long is that going to take? So you just need to. So you have the long term vision of what you want to do. And then you just take all the smaller uh, details or the smaller tasks and just get them out of the way. So that's always, that's yeah. how I like to start. So, okay, I want to work on sales. Fine. I want to work on marketing. Okay, now let's break that into smaller increments. So what do I want to work on? Design, implementation, message, and how do I get the message out there and budgeting. We sit down, finish these tasks, go on to the next one. Finish these one, go to the next one. And and I, I what I like to do most is basically I like to see what's happening with the competition and what is everyone else doing? So that's yeah. I do that on my free time. So mm-hmm. this is also something that really helped me with design and aesthetics that I got to see what are the other companies doing. Yeah. And how am I going to differentiate? That's how I found a good team of designers. I was able to like find these teams just by going online numerous hours, just looking at different um, CVs and websites and articles and, and just going through them and reading. But right, I right. do this on my free time. So if you're able to work on your free time on a passion project that is concerning your work, then you're on the right path. When you just yeah. clock out and that's it, then know that you're never going to be able to do the extra your heart's mile. Your not really in extra it. Mile. Yeah. You're just that's doing it for difference. the money, which is, which is okay. Sometimes that's, which is okay for the time being till you figure out what you want to do. You know, not everyone... Uh, not everyone uh, can change career just like that. You know, some people have responsibilities. But at least in your mind, if you're on your free time, you're able to work on a passion project that you like, even if it's as a hobby, then by time, uh, you'll be able to slowly but surely go do that project, even if it's a side project as well. That That's how I got started in my line of work. You know, I yeah. started off with the family business. I was building, you know, this passion project up on the side, working clients in the evening. And then it got to a point where I jumped ship and where it was able to provide me with a, a living, you know? So yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. When you talked about design there um, and you did do all the research on how, how people were kind of making their product look, tell us about how your partnership with um, Mohammed Adid came about. Because that's something that you guys have worked together on your new project, um, Skyline, right? We worked on uh, three projects together. So um, it was actually funny. So when I went to LA, I was looking at houses just to see different designs um, for furniture and interior design. And I fell across one of his houses um, because, you know, he builds mega mansions in LA. Yeah. And I went inside and I saw beautiful design and architecture. And then he was there, basically. He was in the house. Because the owners, you know, he likes to go also. And so we started talking and he invited me over to his house and we just started to open up a conversation about real estate and design. And uh, and uh, then I told him, well, maybe one day we'll work together. And then I left LA. And four years later, I called him up. I was like, I have this project uh, in Cairo. 
would you be interested? And I showed him the designs that I had in mind and he loved it. And uh, we did the first uh, project together, which was a small uh, villa. No, well, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's like a, a villa that we did together. And then I told him things that I wanted to do and we just, we aligned and uh, he was like, yeah, I'd love to be involved. And we started to do Skyline and then we did a project in Athens. Uh, and then uh, this is our fourth project in Zahra. And we pro- so we did four projects actually together. And which that's what I'm saying. When you find, which is, the, it's a, it's a thousand acres in, in the North coast in Alexandria. It's 18,000 units. It's a, it's a new, I'm launching it in four days. You know, with 17 projects you've got on the go right now, right? Yeah. And these aren't any, no small, you know, <laughs> projects. They're quite serious. Yeah. What does the management of these things look like? I mean, how do you put yourself on top of them to manage all of those operations? I mean, that must be a huge headache. Um, it is, but I think we have a very good team with experience and uh, we have over 5,000 employees with very good directors and managers and uh, and uh, we're able to get on top of it. Of course, it takes lots of time and hard work, but... You know that's the that's the job and task that you uh, that you wanted to take for us. We wanted to take that risks yeah. and uh, take on these projects, and uh, they've been successful so far. So, you know, we're just riding the wave, and we're trying our best to like always push forward and try and deliver something that we promised our clientele, and give them uh, new apartments uh, with good design and reasonable prices, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's just a good team of, uh, we have a good team, basically. We hired uh, good teams with us. You know, when you grow, basically, when you grow, it's like a tree and a branch. When you start to grow, when, it, when the tree starts to grow, you just have many branches. That's exactly what what we do. We try and always hire and hire the best team. Yeah. And um, and we take it one step at a time. And we, we do our analysis and our risk analysis and our visibility studies, which projects we should take. We see one project that project succeeded. Okay, we go on to the next. And in our, I think we are lucky because we found our sort of niche, uh, mm-hmm. what we were focusing on and what we want to do. So we have this business model that now worked for us. So we're just hammering through because, right. you know, we don't, we don't want anyone to come and penetrate what we're trying to do. Of course, we have some competitors, but I like to call us, I, I, I like to call us like sort of a blue ocean, sort of a theory technique where you're one or two players in the whole market that does that sort of segment. And I think yeah. we really focus on that. We focus on very good designs with reasonable prices. So uh, lots of people do very good designs and then they up their prices up because they want to make more profit. But we want to do it on a massive scale. So our profits come because of the masses. We have 70, 75,000 clients right now. That's wow. like huge for like a yeah. real estate development company. That's I think that's one of the biggest numbers. Like in, well, in look, how, look, let, let's talk about it. How, how how do you scale up? You know, say that you're just starting out in property. You know, maybe you got a few under your belt. How yeah. do you scale up? What's the strategy? Uh, well, basically, I'll tell you how we scaled. Okay, yeah. and then maybe you can apply that to. Uh, I'm I'm saying that into real estate. So basically, I was saying that lots of people always say. Uh, location, location, location. Okay, but location comes at a at at a price too, at a heavy price. Uh, so what if you're starting off and you don't have the luxury of buying the location, location, location? So what you try and find is find a neighboring, uh, try and find 
a neighboring um, area or district that you can find uh, like potential um, markets or supermarkets or sort of like um, any sort of activity that is happening in that neighborhood. So you know that maybe a big grocery store is going to be coming, a huge arcade area or a nice cinema is coming to that neighborhood. So try and find a neighborhood that you know that it's empty now, but some some sort of restaurant is going to open there. So a neighborhood where lots of commercial aspects are going to open up in that area. And I yeah. think that would be the area because usually once you start getting some commercial um, businesses into a neighborhood, a starting up neighborhood, this is when the prices go up. So try and always look for that. And, and yeah. another thing that we always do, we always like to talk to different brokers to see, okay, so are the prices going up or down in that air neighborhood? And if they've gone up, how much did they go up? Did they go up only 2%, 3%, 5%? What's the history of that neighborhood? And yeah. which kind of uh, contractors are going in there? And what kind of businesses are opening in there right now? So I think these are the questions I always need to ask and just do your homework. And then you can always start with small properties. And if you invest in real estate, no matter where you are in the world, usually in 10 years' time, I'm just saying that's like the worst case. In 10 years' time, you will double your money. Because yeah. just real estate, everyone is always looking for a house to buy. And that's the market. Even when the, uh, the market crashed in L.A., in 2007, it took them 10 years to bounce back up and the prices went back up again. So like even when, you know, there's lots of real estate crashes that happen, but usually these crashes last for five years and then they start going up again. So never be afraid to put your money in real estate. I think it's very promising. Play, play, the, just, play the long game. Yeah, but be smart when you buy. Uh, mm. Like just don't go buy the most expensive thing. That's not smart. Anyone can do that. Anyone can just go buy uh, a, a nice apartment somewhere. That's not business. That's for your own luxury. But for business, try and buy something that you yeah. see good potential. And how can you fix it to put it to to put it higher on the market? And that's usually the bracket. So try and get a fixer up or fix it and put it on the market. It's like you can go for an emotional buy or a logical buy. And a logical buy yeah. would be a fixer upper or one that has got potential growth in the market. Yeah. Um, we had a we had a question just on the feed there, which I think was a good one. Yeah, what, what do you think of the status of the market now? Uh, well, of course. Look, everything's on hold right now. You know, this is uh, an epidemic that hasn't happened in the times of basically dinosaurs. You know, we've never had a virus that can spread throughout the whole world like that. Yeah. So now everyone just needs to be cautious. Everyone needs to stay home so we can put a hold on that virus and uh, you know gradually you know start having our lives back so you know if we're on hold for a month or two uh, just for us to be safe and going back uh, and go back into business then i think we should do that but it's also a good time for you to sit down and just gather your thoughts and see okay is this the field that i need to be in and what am i going to do once i get back like people starting to value usually we better we're always like complaining about our job, but then when you don't have a job and you're sitting at home, then people are like, or when you have, when you're going to lose <laughs> you're your <grateful>. job, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, I want to go back to my job. I don't want to stay home. You know what I mean? So once yeah, yeah. you go back to the job, once you go back to your job, so what are, what are the added values that you're going to do? What sort of like skill set, since we're all sitting at home, are you going to enhance? So for me, I like to watch lots about history and documentaries and I've watched so many architecture and design documentaries. So that's how I like, okay, I have some free time. Now let me start educating myself in my field a little bit more. 
Um, so I think it's a good time to just sit down and reflect on your thoughts because we all need that sometime. And, and, and being a month or two months in punishment, of course, I know some people are living paycheck to paycheck and my heart goes to them. And hopefully the business starts to go back into normal. Um, but in the meantime, like all of us, just sit down and reflect on your thoughts and see what, what are you going to do when you had one life, when you have your life back? So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. I mean, it'd be an absolute travesty to come out of this and not have worked on yourself in any way and just sat there yeah. and, you know, watched bloody episodics on Netflix. <laughs> do that too. <laughs> you know, I've done that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been doing that a lot, you know. I'm, I'm finished doing but, that. Seriously. Yeah. But in the meantime, like once you're done with at least like five TV series, like at least have like three or four, three or four hours. To Pick up a book. Where you can, yeah, just enhance your skills, you know. Just enhance yeah. your skills somewhat or the other. Yeah, yeah. And another question I got, how, would, how do you think um, one should attract? And I, I guess this kind of is a question for someone that has an already an existing portfolio um, or spotted a project, a potential project. How would one attract overseas investment? Ooh, overseas investment. Look, I think when you're first getting started, just invest in the market that you know and you know lots of people, and you have lots of connections. And if you want to um, invest overseas, then you should always look at the company portfolio. Uh, you have to have some sort of personal connection with that company, like, you know, a director there, you know, someone that works there, a manager there, you know, so you know all the ins and outs. Because overseas, you know, you don't know the, the laws of the land. Um, you're not there all the time to know what's happening. So it's a trust thing. So if you know someone yeah. that you trust in that company, and it has a good reputation, then go for it. But I would always recommend look into your own market first and then start thinking of overseas once you have better connections because it's all about I, connections. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that where we're going with this conversation naturally moves me in the direction of asking you uh, and exploring about when the Greek economy collapsed. And I remember when you, know, you and I were in discussion and we were talking about what was going on over there, uh, you guys just ran with it and just went and bought a load of property. And it was just like, yeah, amazing. Like, it was incredible. It was an incredible move, what you guys did. Yeah. Um, so yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I, th I think it's uh, a great story. Yeah. So this comes with experience, too. So basically, when the um, it happened by luck, basically. So how it started, uh, my father went to Greece on a holiday, okay, uh, to Santorini in the winter. He, him and his friends, Beautiful I place. think, Beautiful. One, uh, one of his friends actually was feeling a bit down. And my father is a very spiritual person. So he called one of his um, spiritual gurus, let's say. And he told him, why don't you take your friends and, and go on a vacation somewhere? Uh, so he went. So he was like, where should I go? Okay, let's try Greece. So they went to Greece. And then, and then he, uh, so they went to Santorini and then they came to Athens and they're like, oh, well, Athens is nice. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice city. It's very, it's very close to Egypt. Mm -hmm. And then they stayed there for a week and they liked it. And then we, then I started to go and then I was like, well, maybe I'll buy something here. Just as a personal thing. And then we looked yeah. into the business model and we're like, oh, well, the market is falling. And we looked to invest in Greece, Spain, and Portugal. These were the countries that were going down, Barcelona, mm -hmm. Portugal, and Athens. These were basically 
And then when we looked at the demographics of uh, of Athens, okay, well you have this, you have the islands, and you have Mykonos, you have Santorini, you have Crete, you have all these beautiful islands, and these islands get around um, millions of visitors every year. And then there was the crisis that was happening in Egypt. So Egypt went through two revolutions in 2011, 2013. And I knew that our people from that region would want to buy a second home somewhere. So we knew that I was able, I will be able to um, uh, pretty much sell to the Egyptians in Greece because it's close geographically. It's only an hour and like 30 minutes. And then we saw that the prices were down. The prices were 70% down, 60 to 70% down. So it was a good buyer's market. Wow. Wow. You know, so we're like, well, these are all, of course, people were calling us crazy because you're like, everyone is selling and you're buying. I was like, yeah, I'm buying at 70% cheaper. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it was a good investment. And then now everyone's like, like, I think Mykonos last year was the number one visited location. It oh, surpassed, it surpassed Ibiza and Saint-Tropez. And yeah, it's a hotspot. And lots of Egyptians and Middle Easterns and Russians and Eastern Europeans started to go into Athens as well. You say a couple of, and the prices started to spike because, like I said, we bought in 2013. And like I said, in 10 years, you usually double your money. And that curve, the economy goes down and then it goes up. It levels and then it's going to go down again. And, and how, so those investments that you, you, you made back then, how yeah. are they doing now? Just Very to give well. us an idea. Very well. <laughs> I, I'd say 60, 60 to 70. I think my cousins... My younger cousins, they by they bought some units very cheap, like for forty to thirty. They, there were apartments that were selling for like thirty thousand euros, thirty thousand euros, forty thousand wow. euros. So they got a few, one one or two, and they made they doubled their money in a matter of six months or seven months. Jeez. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lots of people made good money on it. I really think it was good. a good really move. Smart. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was a good a good move good move for us. And we're still buying in Athens, and uh, we have a big project that we're launching there, hopefully soon. Let's get into that, because that's something, uh, you're doing that with Hadid as well? Yeah, yeah. Right, so what's that? Because that's quite a big complex, right? Uh, This is is a mega mansion. I'm going to call it the sexiest house in Europe, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So this house house uh, has history. So this house was owned by... uh, uh, the Onassis family. Um, you know, Onassis was one of the richest uh, men in the world. And um, he had bought this house. And, you know, Kennedy, President Kennedy, when he died, uh, he was married to Jackie. Her, her name was Jackie O. Jackie O was like the Queen Diana of her time in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, when he died, uh, lots of people wanted to marry her. But Onassis, Onassis has a charm and wit. And he he was like, he had a good name. So, he went and he married her and then he got her to Greece and he got to that house. And the house is located in front of a marina where he had his famous boat. And then the, the, I think the family was first somehow. So all of them, that house went from generation to generation. And then it ended up with the um, with one of the relatives and uh, she didn't want to sell. We were persistent for two years. And then she sold during the recession and we right. got it for a good price. And we we're like, okay, let's convert it. And... Uh, we're gonna. We're probably gonna convert it into a mega mansion, or it convert it into like a private country club, with a hotel management. Uh, we're still figuring. Like we have the design set, so once we do it, I think we'll be able to see uh, what we want to do with it. It's really interesting because as you're telling that story, it makes me think the importance of 
the story behind a luxury project like that because yeah. people really do buy into the story. And that's the marketing man coming out of you right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> in any project that you do, any project, you have to have a story. You have to create that storyline that makes your project interesting. I can say, yeah, I like to sell apartments. Okay, good for you. But when you talk about an apartment and how that apartment can change your life, how it's spaced out, who the designers were, why is it spaced out this way, and you start getting info, the person gets emotionally involved in it. People, yes. Most people buy rational and emotional. Yes. And if you're able to capture that emotional part more than the rational part, it's a win. <laughs> that's how that's a salesperson and the marketing that's why you talk to the wife rather than the husband right exactly. <laughs> when they're doing the viewing <laughs> no that's true that is yeah. very true the wife yeah, usually makes a decision or the girlfriend makes a decision in the house buying because she's more uh, more basically emotional emotionally attached to it because that's going to be her home that's going to you know that's the place where she can have her dressing room and you kind of like when we do a little trick when you do his and hers you make hers a little bit bigger than his. We don't give a, sh we don't give a shit about him. We give we give more. Uh, we give her more like space in her room, a bigger bathroom, everything for her because I, we know that that once the hammer goes down, you know she's gonna say yes. To, so you have to you have to be smart about it. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so so what other tips do you think you can sort of share in regards to sort of just general entrepreneurship? I mean, there might be people that just aren't really involved in real estate or they're happy of their portfolio in real estate, but they're looking for a bit of inspiration to maybe just start something new. We talked about passion and following the passion. Is look, there anything else you can kind of share? Yeah, look, I, I had moments where I always like, you know, I, I remember one time in my life, I was like super depressed for some reason because I couldn't find my path and didn't know what to do. And uh, so I say I basically stayed a month in my house. I didn't go anywhere. I was like, oh, so you've practiced quarantine. <laughs> yeah, 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 I have. I have on numerous occasions. Uh, but uh, just try and, and, and like try and have these positive ideas in your mind, even if you even if things are not going well for you right now. But once you start like thinking positive and, and start thinking of things that what are you going to be able to do? to change the current position that you're in. So yeah, your circumstances could be shit for the time being, okay? But what are the steps that you're going to do to take yourself out of these circumstances? Even if it's just to go somewhere, you know what I mean? Just get out of your spot, just move, just take the first step. And that's what I was able to do. Like just, I needed to get out of my room, you know what I mean? Just get up, find your calling, and then start, you know what I mean? You know, everyone has these moments. Um, yeah. I had uh, moments where I wasn't talking to the family and I wanted to do my own thing and I didn't have any money. And, and then I was like, okay, let me think of what I wanted to do. Where's my passion? If I wanted to work and do this business or this business, what am I going to do? If I'm going to start my own company, how is it going to look like? So you just start, like even everyone has these pivotal moments in their life where they like sit down and they something triggers in their mind. So what is that trigger that you're going to do just to take that first step? Just, just whatever it is. Just get out of, get yourself out of that web. That's the first thing. Two is not, and I'm going to say it's find something that you're passionate about because everyone says that, but try to find something that you're good at too. If you have a certain skill, try and enhance that skill. If you have people skills, do that. If you have design skills or you're passionate about design or, or sales or marketing or anything that you're good at, even if you're a musician or if you're a designer, 
you know, try and find that even if you're working as accountant and but you love design. So try and design stuff on your spare time and see if you can create your own portfolio and market yourself in that. So hopefully by time in a year's time or two years time, you'll get out of your business and start your own business. And I know many, many of my friends are doing that. Yep. You know, many of my friends, they work in a company, but they're passionate about designing clothes or they're passionate about interior design. So they start drawing and they start creating a portfolio. And by time they start saving and hopefully they'll get out of it. You know what I mean? You just take that first step yeah. and, and write down, always write down what you want to do and read. I think reading and watching documentaries, different documentaries, just to enhance your brain, um, your brain knowledge about different subjects. You never know what you'll be able to benefit from, even if it's a conversation with someone and that person sees that you have intellect, they could hire you just on a conversation yeah. on a random topic. And I see that happening even in my company, happening all the time. If there's, a real, passion, there's a really great word that you used earlier on when you were explaining. And I think we spoke about this on the phone the other day. And it's that word pivot. Yeah. Pivot. And I think a lot of people are scared to give up something or move away from something because they see, would see themselves as a failure. But I feel that word you just shared there, pivot, it really changes your mindset and outlook as to what you're actually physically doing. Yeah, I think you should work smart. Yeah, so when you say, when that's why I like to use the word pivot. So because when you pivot your business, that doesn't mean you failed in your business. That means you're finding better ways to uh, that, continue. That, that is a game changer for a lot of people right now. Because yeah, they're like, struggling right now. And you're just saying, well, we're just, we're not stopping this. We're just pivoting that way. Yeah. It's, so, it's, that language is game changing. Yeah, it is. It is a, it's a language and it's a mindset. You know what I mean? So you yep. did not fail. A, a failure is someone that gives up completely. That's it. He just throws the towel. Even if that's, that's, yeah. could happen sometimes. But even if you throw the towel on this, but what are you going to do on the other side? You just, just give up. You know what I mean? You should pivot and take another route. So being smart about, okay, maybe I'm trying this, but this is not working for me right now. So maybe I need to change the business model. Or maybe I need to change something about what I'm doing right now to make it more um, adjustable to the current market. Maybe what I'm doing is not in time for the market right now. Maybe that will work down the line. Or maybe when I'm more famous or more successful, maybe I could start doing the project again. And that's what I had to do in my business first because I wanted to do very, very luxurious, very expensive stuff. And then I realized hey, the market is not asking for that right now. So let me pivot yeah. my business model into still creating the same outlook, but doing it into more of a, a, a valuable, like a more value sustained uh, price range. Yeah. And then I was like, that was a much smarter idea. You know so what I mean? Have your ear so, to the market. You know, I mean, it's, I think that is a big business mistake where you just go off and try and do something that you think will just work but it's, there's no sort of market analysis. Yeah. Excellent. It's, 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 it's very true how just a, a, different, a, a different terminology and just mindset and how and, how, and what you think of uh, the next steps could be if your business isn't going well, my furniture business was going well, then it wasn't going well. Am I just going to give up and say that's it? No. Okay, you try something else. Why didn't this work out? Okay, let me try the next step. And if you look at any, any successful businessman, no one just got it off the rights. Everyone had like some struggles at the beginning till they got the business plan right. Everyone. 100%. Even if they kept the same company, but something has changed and the company is, 
in the company values or not the company values, but in the marketing strategy or in the company strategy that kept them going on. Any company, take any businessman, you'll see that they never got it right 100% the first time. They have to have previous experiences from other projects that they did, and then it got them to that. Yeah. And and that's that's a conversation that we had before also, wasn't it? When we talked about, you know, there was a project I was involved in, and, you know, it nearly killed me financially. And, um, you know, I had to get my mind back in the right place to, you know, get back on track with things. And then you shared me with me a story where you know if it was it your currency just like dropped to like half or something it like yeah. devastated you like how, how do you recover yeah. from that? You lose half your money basically. Yeah, yeah. You lose half your money. You lose half your worth. <laughs> so imagine you have you saved a hundred dollars and now you have fifty dollars. Uh, you lose half your money. But okay, you say, well, I'm grateful that I still have the fifty dollars, and let me mm. see how I can save that fifty dollars. And grow that fifty dollars again. So our our currency deflate. Our currency uh, went down. Basically, it went down sixty. Then it stabilized at fifty. So we lost half our worth. But in the meantime, wow. you try and think of ways. Okay, how can I make my money back? And how can I make sure, hopefully, that if this happens again, I have my assets diversified. Um, yes. Uh, you have your assets diversified somehow. You have some savings. Um, you have uh, a sort of a reflect on the market that hopefully you bought well and you just stay persistent. You know, sometimes sometimes the market uh, enables you or sometimes it disables you. And what do I mean by that? Sometimes if the market is going well, even if you're skilled or not skilled, everyone's going to make money. Okay? Everyone. Yeah. Even if yeah. you don't know what you're doing, but the market is good. Everyone's a buyer's market. Everyone's buying. It's like, Having a 70% yeah. off sale, everyone's going to buy, okay? Everyone's going to enter the mall and everyone's going to buy. The problem is sometimes the market is disabling. So the market goes down like now. So the market has disabled, disabled you. Yes. So what are you going to do now so you don't freeze up? And what steps are you willing to take uh, in order for you to maintain uh, your business going, uh, your, sustaining your business? So this is where you have to sit down and make sure that you have a solid plan for yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, so Yes. And this differentiates uh, a good businessman uh, from a bad businessman. It's just a, a matter of fact of, of knowing what your company stands for and that you're sustained and, and, you're, and you're tough and you'll be able to sustain such a hit. And if you, if you do get hit, that you'll be able to get off your, get off your ass and actually start working again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I even, I, I shared yeah, with you a, a lot story. Of, a lot of it's an was, attitude. You know. Yeah, that's what I even told you. Like sometimes, you, st- you know, you stay home and you, you reflect upon your thoughts and say, okay, these are the next steps that I just need to take in order for me to like move forward um, from now on. Like when you told me about this story, I was like, yeah, everyone gets knocked down. Everyone loses, can lose time and effort uh, in a project that doesn't go well, but it's just putting that time and effort and same energy into the next project, which is going to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, one thing you learn is, right. You can lose finance, but what you, what you don't lose is your knowledge, you know, your experience and also the contacts that you've met along the way, you know? So if, if you've got to that level, you should have the infrastructure around you. Um, obviously emotionally and mentally it's damaging, but you know, yeah. that's what we're talking about. It's just like, you know, if you're on the map, 
what'd you do? You've got to get back up and start punching again. Yeah. You know? Great, man. Uh, I think we should uh, let some of the audience ask some questions. Uh, I know there's been some questions that have been thrown out onto the feed as we've been going. I know we've had a few interruptions, but um, have you got on yours? Can you see a question box? Is it? Is there any in there? If not, we can just um, sit down on the feed. Yeah, I have a question. I would like to. I would like you to tell us about the future of real estate in Egypt. Uh, that's by Hussam. Right. Um, well, that's a very, uh, it's very Egyptian related, uh, real estate question, but I, I think it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, I think it's going to boom depending on which field you're in. So I think for the middle income, uh, development projects, I think that because there's real demand, we're about 15 million in Cairo and we're growing 2% every year. So that's around where I think we're going in Egypt around 1, 1 million or 1.5 million every year. So I wow. think there's a deficit of around from 600,000 to 800,000 units per year. And, and you know, people who are going to buy are first-time buyers. So um, I think you should be, if you're looking to invest or buy, you should be looking in that um, sort of bracket from selling mm-hmm. from 800,000 Egyptian pounds to a million or one or two million Egyptian pounds. That should be a bracket that you invest in. And then that's a safe bet. I think luxury villas and the luxury market, that's going to be on hold just for the time being because most of the investors have already bought. Right. Okay. Um, What was I going to (laughs) say? Someone asked a question about... uh, Oh, okay. Here's a question. Uh, Any upcoming projects in Mykonos? Well, we discussed the one that you're you're building. Um, In Athens, hopefully in Mykonos, uh, we'll see. Hopefully... There is a project that I might do in Mykonos. Uh, we're just uh, just a matter of price now, so we're just in negotiations. Hopefully, that could go through, but it's just a matter of price, and we'll see what would happen this year after the coronavirus. Uh, same question for Italy as well. Italy. Uh, no, yeah. Any, anything I, going on there? No, I don't think we're in Italy right, right now. We're in two, three markets right now, so uh, I think we're just going to stick to these three markets for the time being. Maybe down the line. Italy is beautiful. Uh, I would love to. I always go there for inspiration, like to Rome and Florence. And oh God, they're so spoiled and culture. Yeah, and history. yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you find the right field to start your business? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Um, I think it depends on what talent you're in. So, if you're a talent that is uh, sort of a if you're a designer, architect, something that someone that works more of the um, basic um, talent skills. So you're not like some sort of uh, you're not a lawyer or you're not an accountant or like someone some like someone that has to do with more about like designs and uh, try and find a company that you can intern for or work in for a year or two, get experience in that, and then you can start your own business. Uh, I think that's in actually not in every field. You want to become a lawyer, you want to become a dentist, you want to become just working outside of a company that has done this before, get your experience of knowing all the ins and outs, at least for a year or two, and then you can start your own business. And just pick something that you're good at. Like I said, maybe if it's not your passion project, but pick something that you're good at and something that has demand on it if you want to make money. It's like um, Kanye like, West did like an internship with like Fendi or something before he went to start his, uh, his fashion line. 
Yeah. You know, so it's it's a good idea. You know, if you can get, it doesn't matter what age you are. You know, you, if you get an intern, matter. you get foot in the door, you get experience, you get an insight. Or at the, least you know, the, try and, or at least try and find someone who will help you, like some yeah. sort of a mentor who will be able to give you all the ins and outs of that business, and someone that can help you, someone that you can look up to, someone that you can trust, to try and find uh, that sort of a person that can help you in it. It just it makes the road shorter. You know what I mean? Yes. Of course it does. You know, I mean, we can waste so much time trying to find the correct information. But if someone's already walked down that path already, then as you yeah. say, you know, it does. It makes it a lot shorter. Here's a question. In your opinion, how can I divide my objective to smart goals to be able to achieve it? Can you say, can you say that again? Yeah, I'm struggling to understand the question, to be honest. But uh, how can I divide my objective to smart goals to be able to achieve it? Yeah, I get it. So, one, you have to be realistic with what's happening uh, around you and your, your certain uh, your certain livelihood of where you're at. Okay, so say I want to build the biggest building in the world. That just the, the idea didn't just come like that. It came through experience and having different projects that I've done and then scaling it up. So your smart yeah. objectives is like I said, you have your short term goals first. So if your main goal to become a world anything athlete or or uh, or designer or filmmaker or director or lawyer or whatever first do your short term goals give your time in and then by time these are the smart goals that you do so finish all this little stuff that you always put on hold even if it's just a little little anything like on your business if you have your business let me find the best way to enhance my website let me find the best way to start marketing myself what are the marketing tools that I'm going to use how am I going to, how is the audience going to look at me? What are the best materials? What are the cheapest materials to use? So I don't spend lots of money. Like I'm not saying go poor quality. I'm just saying you're smarter about where you buy your stuff from. I can buy, yeah. um, I can buy a slab of, 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 um, uh, uh, of I, I can buy an elevator, same elevator from one distributor for a hundred dollars. And I can buy the same one for $80. Now I save $20. You know what I mean? Just by doing the homework. So just do the homework on mm-hmm. how you can cut costs and how you can become better and enhance your skill set. So these are things that you should do first and then work on your short-term goals. So get things, the smaller things done first. And then by time, you'll be able to just tick every other box that you've had. Okay, here's a really great question. If you have the business plan and the passion, but not the capital, what are good ways to find investors and make a good first impression? First impression is key, of course. How, you, how you're able to present yourself um, in front of investors. So my advice is, one, you make it short. Two, you make it powerful. So get straight to the point. And how are you going to differentiate yourself between all the other pitches, okay? And what is your CV about what's your... No one's just going to give someone just some money like that if they don't have a background. Unless the idea is good. Okay. So even if the idea is good, then they're going to ask you, okay, you have a good idea. How was the implementation of it? So how are you going to implement? And who's the team that you're going to implement? So once you go into a pitch, so go into a pitch with the idea, with the business plan, and not only that, with the team that is going to help you to do that business plan, even if if you haven't hired them. But if I go into a pitch and then tell them, hey, I'm going to design the biggest, uh, I'm going to design something great for you. I was like, okay, good. Uh, now, what do you have? And he shows me his ideas. 
And then I was like, okay, do you know how this is going to be done? How is it going to be built? Do you have the background in that? And they say, no. I'm like, okay, well, that's a good idea, but it's not achievable. But if then he tells yeah. me, yeah, but I know the right office that will help you. I showed it to them, or we can go to this office. And then he's, he knows all the ins and outs of how that will be. Then we start working right away. Unless, like I said, you're an artist. So you are your art. So basically, when I started working with even startup interior designers, they can just show me a, a nice design of a room and I can buy it or a sales office and I can buy it off of them because yeah. they're their work. It speaks you know for I mean? itself. Yeah. It speaks for itself. But then they also tell me these are the contractors that will be able to get this done for you. Yeah. Because then I ask them, okay, how is this done? How am I, where is this material from? Where is this from? Where is this from? Where is this from? This has to be achievable. And then they tell me this is going. This is the cost. And then that makes sense to me. So, yeah, I think that 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 the, is a big important tip. There is like create the team um, yeah. before you've even employed them because you you know it's just it and um, yeah, show passion, show enthusiasm, and have to have the answers to the right questions. I guess. Yeah. Um. So you have a you have a guy that's bought. Uh, or a lady here that has bought an apartment from Skyline and they're asking for more information on the product, on the project. Oh, oh, oh no, she so, wants to know more information on the project in North Coast. Ah, oh, well, you're going to have to wait till it launches. <laughs> <laughs> There's the marketing tongue again. <laughs> no, well, this, this, uh, this is a project. It's, uh, it's 900 acres in the North Coast. It's in a very, very prime location. We were able to buy it um, at a very good time from two different uh, people who are in the market. So we got a very prime location, but we have, a, of course, our spin to it. So it's going to be, it's going to look very nice and it's going to be affordable to the average Egyptian family. Um, or hopefully we're going to be uh, launching it in the beginning of Ramadan, uh, which is the holy month in, in, the, in the Muslim world. And uh, then we're going to start our sales, um, our sales um, force. Okay, so, we're gonna go two. Let's, let's do two two of these last questions, and we'll we'll wrap it up because we've you know we've definitely gone over time tonight. Um, but it's been fantastic. I mean, it's been a value packed conversation. And let's have a look. What defines a successful partnership? Uh, since you know, yourself are involved in several. Um, like I said, first. You have to find someone that has the right passion as you and has the right alignment and way of thinking of you to someone who's skilled, even if they're not experienced, but they're skilled in what they do. And uh, both of you can have an open discussion about criticism. Yes, I'm always looking for that. If people can't take criticism, I can't have them yeah. around me. I mean, I'm a coach. I can be quite brutal yeah. sometimes, you know, yeah. but they've got to understand like it's, it's constructive criticism yeah I'm, you know people yeah. people pay me because their their best friends aren't going to tell them what the thing is <laughs> yeah so basically you, know? you need to basically so you need to find what the uh, problem is and that's what i always try and do and yeah i know we all know what the problem is but tell me the solution too don't bring a problem because that's obvious yeah all of us know the problem so bring the problem yeah and what are your ideas to solve it and that's constructive criticism so we're bad at this, or you're bad at this, Hassan. Okay, thank you. I think we should do one, two, three, four, and then I'd listen. But if someone tells me, hey, you're bad at this, I get them, well, you're bad at this. And then 
That's the end yeah, of the yeah, discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you coming? Yeah, why are you coming to me with that? Yeah. yeah. This is a great question, and it's the final question. Uh, is jack of all trades a real thing? Can someone be multi-talented, or is focusing on one thing the way to go? That's a very good question, and I actually, uh, um, I, uh, I think jack of all trades is is. Uh, I think you have to be super super smart in order for you to do that. But that means your company has to be very big. And then that really happens uh, when your company is really big and you can hire the right team to manage these companies. Even if you're the biggest company, say Apple, for example. Um, now, Apple is the biggest company in the world, of course. But even when they tried to launch a, a sort of a, um, a Facebook sort of a, um, platform. a competitive platform, they failed at it. Mm. You know, it wasn't their thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there isn't, even if the biggest company can do it, then most likely we won't be able to do it. But stick to one thing, be good at it, and then diversify. Everyone does Pivot. That. Yeah. <laughs> Not even pivot. pivot. You can diversify your business. You know what I mean? So be good at one thing, grow your business, start having connections, start hiring people, start like enhancing your skill set in business. What is a good investment? What is a bad investment? And then you'll start seeing... And then you can start investing in other fields, especially if you have a talent for them. Like you yes. can be, you can go like lots of fashion companies, they go into furniture, they go into design, they go into hotels, but it's all within the same realm. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. That, like you find Armani, for example, he went into clothing and then afterwards he went into Armani Casa and then he went into hotels, but his main business will always be clothing. That's his yes. main business. Yeah. You know what I mean? So always have that thing where you're good at. And then if you want to have some subdivisions, then that's fine. But just stick to one thing for the time being. Excellent. Wow, what a broadcast. Seriously. It's been fantastic. Um, yeah, I'll thank you again for coming on, mate. How about Seriously. we can take two more questions? Because I don't do this often. Let's take two more questions. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's I, do it. Let's do it. I, I want to open up my question box and see what... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it. Um, let's see. Uh, what do you do to yourself to motivate yourself when you are in struggles? Hmm. Mm, 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 mm. So when I think I've been through that a few times um, on a personal level, when I had like self, self-doubt self and struggles and uh, things weren't happening uh, and things weren't happening the way that I wanted to do them. I sit down and reflect on the successes that I had and how did I do these successes and how am I, and then when I, when am I going to be able to do that again? How am I going to be able to reincarnate that same energy that I had before? Um, so I think that's one thing. And I like to watch lots of motivational videos as cheesy as it is on YouTube on like yeah, yeah. successes. So it just gets me out of the bad mood that I'm in or the struggle that I'm in. You know what I mean? You never can know what these, like when you start looking at other people's lives and how they can struggle and how they got out of it, that gives you somewhat of motivation. Like, okay, if they were able to do that, maybe I'll be able to do that too. You know what I mean? I never yes. thought I was going to go into Oxford or Harvard or be a successful businessman or talk. Or I never ha- thought that when I was a fighter. Mm-hmm. I never had that mindset. But then I had to change my mindset and be like, okay, I'm not going to be a fighter anymore. Let me 
let me just start working around how I can go into academia, how I can get into Oxford. I got into Oxford because I started to gain my business experience. I applied. They saw that I wasn't the best in, in school, but I had lots of business experience. And then when I went and did an interview, I was able to talk about my experiences in life. And I was able to tell them that as a as I will graduate from Oxford and having self-belief that once that Oxford will be proud of me as an alumni, because these are the things I want to achieve. These are the things that I've, that I've achieved in my life. And then therefore I was taken in as number 72. They only had 72 seats and I was the last one to get in basically Great. because I was able to talk my way into it by showing them my CV. So even if I didn't have the highest scores, but I still was able to get into Oxford and Harvard because of my past experiences that I had in my business side. And then they saw that I have the business mentality to be part of them. Yeah. And like I said, what's your niche? I wasn't the smartest kid in any by far, but I was able to find my way where I can get the smart people like me a little bit so they can help me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the trick. Yeah. It, it's not always the best to be the smartest in the room. You know what I mean? Sometimes if you're not the if you're not the smartest in the room, be quiet and listen. And that's what I like to do. I like to listen to lots of people when they talk, hear what they have to say. I'm always open to new ideas, always. And that's something that I've learned and I'm teaching my team now to always listen to what the market and never like when I when I hear always new pitches, I never tell them no. I always let them say the thing because I can never know what can inspire me from anyone. You know, a good idea can come out of nowhere. And yeah. most of my marketing, uh, marketing achievement, our, our marketing achievements happens because I went to someone that was thinking outside the box and gave me some wacky idea. And I like that wacky idea. Sometimes it worked in our favor. Sometimes it didn't work in our favor. You know, that sometimes I invested money in things that did not work. And but yeah. I learned from that, you know, I learned from it and I pivot right away. And uh, um, and um, Chris asked me, what's the dumbest idea that has worked out? <laughs> I don't think a dumb idea works out, but uh, a, wacky, <laughs> a wacky idea can work out. So when we started to market, uh, we did a award winning when I was doing community housing. Just to answer that, to think of, uh, when we did uh, community housing, we priced the apartment, the same price of an apartment is uh, the same price as a car. So uh, an average Egyptian car was around 100,000 Egyptian pounds. And, and we priced it according to the car. And our marketing idea was, a, got, we got the idea from someone who never worked in real estate before. But we just told them the idea. We did, we told told them we were explaining to them. We we're like, yeah, basically this car, this apartment, it will be the same price as a car, and we were laughing about it. We were actually being sarcastic, and he turned that into an idea and became. It was like our biggest hit ever till now. Like this Amazing. idea was being taught at the university, American University, in a master's class in marketing. Okay, wow. just out of just out of a stupid conversation that we were having, and then yeah. we had not only that we had okay instead of buying so basically it's a guy the idea was it's a guy who pretends you know how all like people they graduate and then all they, the first thing they want to do is buy a car that's like their yeah. dream they buy a car and then they get a hot girl so we like took yeah. that and it's like well instead of okay so you buy a car 
you go spend all your money in the car, you have the girl, but then you take her and you don't have a house. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's a yeah, shitty yeah. house. You know what I mean? So instead of putting your money in the car, go put it in a in a house. You know what I mean? Right. And that will be secure. And then you'll get the girl. Instead of, so that was like the main concept. And then instead of like putting your money on like iPads and iPhones and getting the high technology, go put it in your installments. So it's like, think smart. You know what I mean? Think with your money yeah. smart. So just yeah, yeah. Uh, some ideas just come out of the box, but it's just how to implement them the right way with the right idea. That's how you kind of uh, uh, make it more successful, basically. Because you can have a great idea, but the implementation of it can be shit. And then the whole idea just falls off. Yeah, I love that. So that was an advert you ran, was it? Mm. It was a whole marketing campaign. And I think Amazing. that was the one of the highest uh, sales we got. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Good, you, good, you, got good any more, you, got, you got any more questions there? Um, let's see if I have any more. I have a lot, actually. So, so, someone, asked, someone asked what you said about the Netflix. Someone actually asked... What series do you recommend? <laughs> um, well, there's the new season of Money Heist. I know that's out. I haven't seen it yet. I'm waiting to... I'm putting a challenge on myself. I want to lose weight. So I want to watch... Yeah. I only watch the series if I'm on a treadmill. And I watch it that's on a clever, treadmill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I haven't watched anything because I haven't been on a treadmill, which was kind of like a <laughs> shitty thing. <laughs> but hopefully I'm going to start tomorrow. Um, there's right. unorthodox, there is money heist, there's unorthodox, uh, and there's Vikings. These are the three that I'm watching right now. Ah, my, my friend's actually in Vikings. And he, one of the guys is in there, he's actually going to be on one of the lives, uh, yeah. pretty soon. Yeah. Jack, Jack McAvoy. Um, That's great. Yeah. It's such a good yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. Bit of history. Mm. Yeah. So uh, these are the things that I'm watching on Netflix at the moment. Awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Jeez, that was, that, I say it was a blast. Enjoy it's always good it. to chat with you anyway. Like, I, it was, yeah. I, every time I speak with you, I feel like our conversations need to be heard by many. And I think that's what we did tonight. You know, so I'm, I'm really happy yeah, thank about you. that. No. Thank um, you so much. But yeah, um, I wish you well on your, your fitness goals. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely catch up soon. Uh, when you're back in London. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'd love to. This is It's always fun chatting with you, Johnny, and I hope the best for you and in your business. You've helped me a lot, actually. So, Thanks, buddy. Um, I'm very thankful for everything that uh, you've done for me personally, too. How you've helped me, you know, when I was in a rut. You know how we met uh, when I was in a rut? You kind of, like, helped me a lot, and you've yeah. always been there for me as well as a friend and and uh, I'm very grateful to have you in my life too, man. So, and I think that's one thing Bless that me. lots of people should share, especially in these times is, yeah, especially in these times is just um, think of your friends and like always try and keep your friends, even if you're living different worlds. I always try to ask about my friends and if I'm in the neighborhood, check up on them, listen to them, have real conversations, not fake conversations, you know, yeah. then just get to know people on a more personal level. Don't be afraid to ask personal questions and ask, them like personal questions and you never know what someone could say to you that could change the way you think about something and uh, this is something that i've learned from you a lot so yeah i can't thank you enough for that oh thank you man i mean every time we come together we you know and i think i think that's a message for everyone as well it's like you and i are very open 
with each other. And I feel that, you know, on the, on the conversation of being emotionally available or allowing yourself to be vulnerable, you only really develop deep, meaningful relationships with someone when you allow yourself to do that, you know? And yeah. in, when it comes to the conversation about relationships, whether they're of a romantic nature, na- nature, business nature or social nature, everything is built on relationships. Back to yourselves again. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So, all right, buddy. Listen, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate that. It was, it was great. Um, good stuff. Thank you, man. Take care. And thank Take you care. everyone for watching. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed the content, follow me on Instagram at London Dating Coach.